I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Caleb. He was one of the survivors of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. Let's talk about it. Um, All right, well, we are sitting down uh, with our pal Caleb Dahlgren. And um, Caleb, this I'm 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 stoked because this isn't the first time that you and I have uh, been able to sit down and have a chat. Um, we we are uh, we have mutual friends in in uh, our manager Jeff Lonis, yeah. um, and I I I you know we've 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 been talking about having you on the podcast for a while. Mm. So firstly, I want to say we're really stoked that we have the opportunity to have you on here. Um, but I Thank think I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be frank. I want to come out and say this. I am, I'm a bit, um, I'm a bit nervous to talk to you and, <laughs> oh, and, and for, for two reasons. One is, is, uh, is I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a little starstruck to be honest with you. Oh, I think hey, I, think I, I'm a, I'm a fan. I think you're this, I've been saying it to the boys. You're the sweetest fucking human and handsome he's been saying handsome and i i agree you didn't have to add that but sure okay we'll add that too thank you Uh, but the but the other piece is that you know we're gonna be talking about something that is uh that's i think is gonna be like um a real challenge for some people to hear uh for people who aren't aware uh caleb you were a part of the the massive, massive tragedy that happened in our country um, a number of years ago mm-hmm. where a bus uh, had crashed. You and all of your teammates were on that bus. And um, needless to say, it, it, uh, it was a horrifying tragedy. Um, and it's one of those things where uh, I'm, I'm like an emotionally avoidant person. So, so the, the other night, my partner was like, "Let's watch, let's watch, um, let's watch this movie about, about Marley and me." You know, well, I know. She was like, "Let's watch this movie about the about the 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 tsunami that that hit Thailand uh, like back in 20... And I was like, "No, no, I'm not watching that. I don't want to like. I don't want to be bummed out. I don't want to bum myself." And and I and I think I was bringing that mood into this recording where I was going, "Oh no." I'm going to be, this is going to fuck me up. This is going to fuck me up. But knowing that you are such a fucking sweetheart and knowing that you, knowing this about you, that you have such a, you have such a positive outlook when it comes to living your life that I feel like the, the, the outcome of this recording is actually going to be pretty beneficial for not only myself selfishly, but I think a lot of the people that listen. Thank you. No, thank you very much for first having me on here. I'm really excited to talk to you guys. It's an honor. 
And I'm just excited as you are, honestly. And I think it's going to be a great podcast too. I've been looking forward to this. And like you said, I've wanted to come on this for some time now. So to finally have this opportunity is something special and I'm looking forward to it. And it will be a good one to finish off. Don't worry. I'm not going <laughs> to leave you crying at the end of this. It's gonna okay. Be good All right. I got a but, box of tissues in the back there. So if I need it, I'll, I'll, I'll hop on it. My therapist says it's always important to do uh, grounding exercises after you have uh, a, go through like a, a therapeutic and like um, emotionally exhausting conversation Ooh. or experience. Mm-hmm. So, That's a good idea. So perhaps at the end we'll have to do a grounding <laughs> exercise. But there I think go. I think Caleb, your energy is pretty grounding for me anyway. Even though I echo some of the sentiments yeah. uh, that Jer was saying. I, I guess I guess to start this off, um, uh, we we have listeners from all around the world. I feel like a lot of our Canadian listeners are are at least somewhat familiar with your story. Um, but for those who might not be, why don't why don't you just take us through a little sort of like chronological uh, retelling of of the tragedy that uh, that that came down upon you and your teammates of the the humble Broncos. Sounds good. So this is. Do you want a life story? Or do you want just the tragedy aspect? Which we're you thinking here? Let's fuck, dude. Let's give hear a life. life story. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm well, super interested. Give us the combo. Right. Also, combo. before you start, Caleb, too, just out of like um, consideration, I guess, like it, mm-hmm. and and I think this is important to ask people before they recount a traumatic experience in their mm. life. Like, is there anything that you you don't? And I guess like here's an invitation. Like if there's anything that you don't feel comfortable going into or talking about, mm-hmm. then please don't feel like you have to share. Mm. For sure. Um, but if there's anything where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not comfortable going there then, then let us know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm an open book, honestly. And now I have a book coming out, so it's kind of weird like that. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I think that, so I'll, I'll give you a little rundown. I've actually had a different lifestyle than a lot of people. Um, I'm a type one diabetic. And so, kind of go back a bit here but I was in Notre Dame and I was going into my 20-year-old season and so at that time I I really wasn't feeling fulfilled I was assistant captain of our team but I had this dream program of creating a diabetic program for diabetic children and so it was a mentorship idea I had and I was in a town of 400 people and there really wasn't that big of a fan base so I wanted like the fans to get really involved I wanted the kids to feel special so I ended up actually asking for a trade when I was going to potentially be named captain of that team that year and ended up in Humboldt. So that's kind of where it all started. Uh So then once I got to Humboldt, I was able to start my Mm. mentorship program called Dahlgren's Diabetes, which gives back to type 1 diabetics and creates uh, mentorships so they can reach out to me whenever they need and kind of be that support to show that you can pursue your dreams and passions and diabetes doesn't have to stop you. So fast forward now, we had a great season. I loved it in Humboldt. The group that we had were, was absolutely unbelievable. And uh, I think there's something special about being on a team. That team itself was very special. We were all tight-knit. We loved each other. We respected each other. And we wanted the best for each other. So we were in the middle of playoffs, and we were actually in the do-or-die game. The series was 3-1 to one for the Nippon Hawks. And it could have been 3-1 to one for us, to be honest. Uh, we lost, actually, three games that we had the lead. So oh. uh, it, was, it was a tough bounce, but whatever it was, we were down three to one and we were ready to go. It was just a normal day. We woke up, got ready, had our pregame skate, went to our local restaurant, Johnny's Bistro. And, uh, it's all the guys go there on game days. There's at least like 10, 15 of us that go there. We get a discount. And God, so- that, that is such a, that's such a Canadian fucking restaurant <laughs> named Johnny's Bistro. I, th- I, I bet you every single city in Canada has a Johnny's Bistro <laughs> and it's not, 
a franchise. (laughs) There's a Johnny's Bistro everywhere you go. And hockey teams are going. Oh, and they're all in every I can picture it has those uh, red and white checkered placemats with like the cursive writing, like, welcome, bienvenue uh, (laughs) font on them. You can do the the trivia when you leave (laughs) on the piece of paper. (laughs) Yeah, we know what you mean. (laughs) It's my favorite restaurant in Humboldt and probably in Saskatchewan, honestly. Um, my billet mom actually owns a restaurant too. So I got special perks there for sure. Um, Not biased at all. Just so the viewers out there, unbiased view, best restaurant is humble. (laughs) Just just try and cover my tracks. How much are they paying you to say this by the way? Um, Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Just the love. That's all I get is love. Um, (laughs) But uh, anyway, so yeah, I went to Johnny's Bistro and went back home, had pregame nap. I lived with uh, two other guys on team. We're all in our 20 year old season. And it was Bryce Fisk and Stephen Wack. And so we ended up, we always get order pregame Johnny's to take on the road. So yeah, we love Johnny's. And uh, I went to the Johnny's with Bryce and I and Stephen met us at the rink. And uh, we just went over some video once we got to the rink, packed up the bus, threw our bags on there and hopped on, went to our normal spots. And like I said, it was super natural and normal game day. We were all mentally ready, prepared to mm. take the W and then come back and play again uh, a couple of nights later at home in Elgar Peterson Arena. But uh, yeah, just normal day, joking around on the bus, having a good time. And I really feel safe on the bus. I'm not sure about you guys, but yeah. on the bus, like it's like a happy place. Like you joke around, you're playing cards, you're just messing around, you're sitting weird, like you're laying down. It's like a happy and fun place. And so um that's what it was for us too it was like guys were playing cards guys were joking around some guys had music in headphones in some were just texting uh some were having naps and I was the one that was had my headphones in listening to music and so had my johnnies and uh so did my roommates and everyone brings their own kind of pregame meal but we actually stopped uh before we left the city at our coach's house uh Darcy Hogan and his wife Christina ended up making us some spaghetti because the night couple nights before we went to triple overtime and we're a little bit hungry and need those carbs oh yeah oh, yeah 100% <laughs> so yeah it was just honestly I couldn't describe it more as just the mundane routine task sure so uh going forward we uh ended up going a different route than normal but it didn't really matter it was only like a five minute detour and uh we ended up going keep going up this road and we're getting closer to Nipawin and so I uh ended up always change on the road I don't know if you guys have ever uh change on the road or on a bus but it's a little bit difficult it's really bumpy and stuff and, and so i toss on my clothes i finally get all my dress clothes and then i sit down toss my suit back up there like my uh suit bag and my other garments and uh mm. just toss on my headphones listen to music and about a few minutes later i get a tap on my shoulder and it's my roommate behind me steven and he's like what song is that and i was just, i still don't remember the song today but i know it was on my playlist and so uh I, as I, I told him and then came back and put it down and uh, hit play. And uh, Morgan texted in the group chat uh, asking if we had any socks. I don't have a pair of socks. Like, and of course, no one had socks. So <laughs> no, it just got R&R'd by me. Uh, but uh, just uh, that was about it, to be honest. And then a couple, like, nine minutes later, Nick Shomlansky in front of me was like, hey, boys. Uh, this is where a fucking legend was born. And uh, so all of us like started laughing on the bus. And then uh, a couple rows up in front of me, Parker told me, was like, nobody cares. And then behind him, Jackson was like, oh, I care, I care. So all of us started laughing. And then I ended up pressing play on my headphones 
And uh, I put my head down because I wanted to focus. I was, we're getting close to Nick when I want to get in the zone. And then that was the last thing I remember. And everything just went black. Mm, wow. And so then I woke up actually in the hospital four days later. Um, and I, I had no clue about what happened. And so do you, do you not, do you not remember like the, the moment of impact or it, like, it's just black from, yeah. So like, yeah. even like when I put my head down my music, I was sitting, I'll see, like, you know, where I was sitting and the person in front of me survived. Nick was the one in front of me, he survived. Person behind me, Stephen Wacky passed away. Behind him, he passed away. That was Logan Belay. And then to right of me, Connor Lucan passed away. Um, in front of him, Jackson Joseph passed away. It so, was really no rhyme or reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I guess, I guess for the folks who, who have never heard of the story before and, and, and although you don't remember exactly what happened, can you, can you explain, um, what, what actually transpired? Yeah. So at the time we were, I'll, I'll give you a visual demonstration. So we were driving up North on the highway and there was a semi coming in from East going West and there's a stop sign that you're supposed to have. And so the semi ended up blowing through the stop sign and we collide with the semi. So we hit like the semi trailer and uh, I guess peat moss went all over. It was carrying peat moss. So there's all these green little things around on the field. Um, and our bus actually got destroyed. Um, you can't even really tell if it was a bus or not, mm. according to the people, first responders that were there. So it was pretty gnarly, I'd say. And uh, so I guess on the scene, my first responder was there. And he told me the story. And I don't remember it whatsoever. But he said, I guess I was walking around and trying to help. He said oh, it looked like an absolute oh, mess, um, oh, wow. and I didn't have a coat on. And I remember for sure, for a fact, I was wearing a coat because I it was cold out, and I wore my dress coat on the bus. Mm. I remember I had it on. So he just said I didn't have a coat, which is a weird situation because I definitely did. So I must have gave it to, gave it to someone or something. Maybe it came off. Um, but he came out to me and was like, "Hey, like you need to stop moving. Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, like you gotta help the other." He's like, "No, no, no, like." you're not looking good. We're going to get you on a board. We're going to take you to the ambulance. And so they ended up getting me on a board and taking me to the ambulance. And as he was taking me to the ambulance, I said, my name is Caleb Dahlgren. I'm 20, 20 years old and I'm a type one diabetic. And then as he put me in, I said, thank you, please help everyone. And he mm, said, wow. he'll always remember that uh, for the rest of his life. He said, that was, they just, he couldn't get over it. And um, I still don't remember it. Yeah. I think that's yeah, right. the crazy part is like, if I was walking on the scene and talking to people, I have no recollection of that whatsoever. Yeah. So, so the bus, the bus itself, um, the bus, it wasn't the, the semi that hit the bus. The bus drove through the trailer, like the back yeah. end of the trailer. Yeah. And that's what, that's what the actual accident was. Yeah. Um, what, what did anything happen to the driver of the, of the, the, the semi? Yeah, so the driver actually was completely fine. There's not, I don't think he maybe had a couple scratches and that might have been it. Right. Not, not even, but he and, was completely fine. But the bus, the bus itself, there, how many people were on the bus? So there was 29 of us on the bus and there's full of staff and players as well. Mm. And so there was, ended up that 16 passed away and 13 survived. And I was one of the 13 survivors of that wow. tragedy. What, what really, what really st strikes me as you're, <clears throat> as you were describing that, especially in the, especially in the context of like not being able to remember the, after the, the, 
after the accident and mm-hmm. and that and that you're up i and and i'm having fl- like flashbacks of my own i was hit by a car a couple of years ago i'm riding my bike and uh and you you describe the the like moments leading up to the last thing you remember with such mm-hmm. with such d- detail like yeah. like the there's the there's the like exactly what what was said and who said it even mm-hmm. though they're 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 you know if you know the the bus the bus ride that you had done two weeks before that like the odds of you being able to recount like those those snippets then yeah almost impossible but in that moment and there's something there's something in that cuz i cuz when i got hit i remember like there are there's such little tiny details that are that are seemingly meaningless but they're just stick in your mind and and you you remember them so so mm-hmm. so vividly um i'm i'm wondering like what is when you when you go through an experience like that and I'm trying to like wrap. I'm trying to like compose myself a little bit here. I I grew up playing hockey as well. Yeah. I played junior A hockey. Uh, you know, the bus trip is like a sacred space in can in Canadian culture. I mean, and then that's why it shocked our mm. nation to such a degree. How how do you how do you how how do you experience this? How how do you how do you wake up four days later? And you're told what's going on, and you, what what are your what are your reactions? What are your what are the thoughts that go through your head? You know, I mean, you're also 20 years old. I mean, you're not you're not you're not fully you're not fully an adult yet, even really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're still really growing and, and maturing. Mm-hmm. What are the things that 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 go through your mind and and um, how do you process this? Yeah. So the kind of weird aspect was I, so I was still talking throughout the four day phase. I was like talking to people, people came visit me and stuff. Um, so I actually woke, so it would have been Friday night. So the accident happened on the Friday, April 6th. And that night I actually kind of was in and out and I guess according to my parents, I still thought we played a game. I thought I got hit from behind. Um, I thought I, oh. I was had a neck brace on and I thought I broke my neck because I got hit from behind. So I asked my parents that night, did we win our game? And they looked at me super weird. They're like, there was no game. And I was like, what do you mean? Mm. And then like, obviously at the time, you probably like get things going through your mind. Like, oh, if there was no game, like did the refs not show up? Like, did I, why am I injured in a hospital if there was no game? And then I just didn't remember this. And so then Saturday morning, I woke up and I looked at my parents and I was like, am I dreaming? Like, where am I? And they're like, no. And they were crying. And I was like, what is going on? Like, did we win our game last night? Or did we win our game? Not even last night. Did we win our game? They're like, what game? There was no game. And so that happened twice. And so then the third time was actually when I actually woke up and I actually remember it now. So I woke up and when I looked around, I was sitting in the hospital bed and I looked and I was like, what's going on? So I tried closing my eyes. I thought I was dreaming. I literally thought I was dreaming. So I closed my eyes and then I felt something around my neck and I was like, okay, what the heck going on? And I tried moving my neck to turn over and I couldn't. 
And I was like, okay, something's definitely up. Mm-hmm. So I opened up my eyes again, looked at my parents, and I said, am I dreaming? They're like, what do you mean? I was like, am I in a hospital? They said, yeah. I was like, okay, how did our game go? Did we win our game? And they looked at me puzzled. They're like, there was no game. We've already told you. I was like, no, you haven't. And that was like, when it really hit me, I was like, what is going on? So I started freaking out and I was like, like, did, did I get checked from behind? Did we, like, did, did they not show up? Like, did I even not, like, was warm-ups canceled? Like, what happened? And there was like, we've already told you. And I was like, no, you haven't told me a thing. Like, we've told you. You were in a bus crash. And that was like, I still didn't really process it. Holy shit. And that was like the really hard part was like trying to grasp that I was in a crash in the first place. Mm. And then I was like, well, then where's everybody else? Mm. And then that's when they told me that there's people that passed away. And at the time there, uh, there would have been 16. And when they told me, and that was like the final day I was uh, when Dana passed away. Um, and so that was when I actually told what it was. The hard part was, I guess I convinced my physiotherapist before then to take me to physio. So I had a physio appointment in a couple hours and uh, not, sorry, a couple hours, a couple minutes. And they woke me up. I guess they were going to wake me up. I woke up and uh, I had to get going for a physio. So I literally like 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes later, my physiotherapist came in and said, are you ready to go for physio? And I was like, and, so. and you had just found you had just, just like started I, to process. Yeah. I didn't even know what, what I was injured yeah, with. Yeah. I didn't even know what I had. I, I mean, just, what <laughs> what's so fucking wild about that? Just hearing you say that is just thinking like I'm just thinking about your mom and dad having mm-hmm. to having to describe the horrors of what happened to you, mm-hmm. and then you go to sleep and then wake up again and and not remembering and them going, Oh fuck. We get like, we got to yeah. go, we got to tell them again. Yeah. And then you not remembering. And then, and then them having to tell you like, what a, what a just jarring. Yeah. And I didn't believe it either. Yeah, I had to look, yeah. I had to look at Twitter. I said like, pass me my phone. I don't believe this. Yeah. Right. I still didn't believe it. And so they passed my phone. I, I looked at my phone and I was like, well, this isn't my phone. And I guess I had a new phone and I'm like, well, this is weird. And then they're like, yeah, no, like, don't you remember? I was like, no, I don't. I just sent my phone. So, so obviously you're, you're, okay. You, you go through this, you go through this event and it's, I mean, traumatic in every, uh, every single way imaginable. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but what, like, what was the trauma that was done to your body? Like what, what you, what, um, you know, what injuries did you, I, I'm, a, I'm assuming there was some sort of concussion right? mm-hmm. or, or like, yeah. wh- how, what was the scope yeah. of, of what happened to your body after going through such a, a traumatic crash? Mm-hmm. So to answer the first question before I, I get into the injuries, I want to say that it took me a long time to process it. And I didn't really figure out what happened until that night. It didn't really hit me until that night. And that was when all the motions came flooding in was in that evening after my full day was jam-packed with physio people visiting um all that and that's when it really hit me was in that evening oh, and fuck. to grasp it was a lot um but uh was for it me with, oh. with with that with that like feeling though a oh, man i'm yeah. just like struggling to hold it together by the way in this yeah. conversation like i'm i just can't help but like put myself in your shoes in that moment and like it's really fucking hard for me to 
try to imagine what you've been through, but like the, and I don't want to project, but dude, it's like, I, it's unimaginable that somebody has to go through that. And, um, anyway, like what I want to ask is, is like you, you've described this like sort of like inability to, to process what's happening at the time, like even come coming to understand the fact that you've been in this accident and that there, there are people who have died on in the accident. But like, is it, is it like physical trauma that, that you've been through that's not allowing you to, to like something's like happened, like you, either you've hit your head or something that's happened, or is it just like you yeah. can't, like you've been through such an emotionally traumatic experience that like you're just not allowed like whatever it is inside mm-hmm. of yourself is not allowing you to to figure it out mm-hmm. so i i'll go with the injuries here i suffered a traumatic brain injury and i was in post-traumatic amnesia it's called and that was the four-day window where i don't remember anything and the brain injury yeah. was so severe that i shouldn't be able to remember my name or how to walk or talk Whoa. it was considered a miracle in uh multiple occasions and so the fact that I was even able to walk and I was even able to talk was a miracle in itself. But the fact afterwards was that I'm actually able to still communicate properly and still succeed academically and all that is another miracle in itself. So um, that was one of the injuries. I also had broken vertebrae in my neck. So I had broken neck, broken back, uh, blood clot in my left arm, uh, blood clot in my right eardrum. I also had muscle damage throughout my whole neck and back. Um, but other than that, I think the worst part definitely wasn't the injuries. It was losing the 16 people I can serve family. And I think that was the hardest part by far. And the reason why I didn't like grasp until evening was because it was just so busy. I was literally just so busy with everything and people just kept on coming. Things kept on coming up. And I finally was able to sit by myself and with myself and have this reality. And I was actually going to go text my roommate and I remember that he passed away. And that was like, that was when it really hit me. And I was like, holy, like, this is, this is real. And the the way I look at it is that I was very grateful and thankful to even be here, but I was also very grateful and thankful to have those people in my life. Because think about it, there's 8 billion people in this world. And I was able to have a connection with those 16 people on that bus. I think that is so, so special. And that's something that I, I hold to my heart. Yeah. That's something that I carry with every day is just to be thankful. I was able to know these people to actually have an impact on their life and show them my love for them too every day. And so. and there's something and there's something mm-hmm. very um there's something very unique about sports teams uh especially especially at like higher levels where they're where the staff is is like pretty robust where you mm-hmm. know it's not just teammates and coaches it's like teammates yeah. and coaches and like there's physios involved and there's trainers involved and equipment managers and 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 like people like people that and and from and that range from you know you you know you might have you might have a, 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 a you know somebody who's filling up water bottles who's you know 13 years old you might have and then you might have an equipment manager who's yeah. 65 and you have this relationship with them that is that transcends age and you are in this you're in this bubble together and you share this locker room and you've all got your spaces and you know where everything goes and you've got all your little quirks and things that, you know, you, you know, you do these meticulous things before the game and everything has to be just so, and everyone's got their ticks and their weird things that they wanted. And, 
you're just so you're so so involved yeah. with those people. I mean, it's a very special it's a very special environment. So mm-hmm. you are you know you are you've got all these incredible relationships, and then you're waking up to to realize that a lot of these relationships are. I don't want to say that they're gone because they're not because they're not really gone. And, and we've talked yeah. about that before on the podcast mm-hmm. that like. You know that shit doesn't go just because the people aren't physically there anymore. They're mm-hmm. very, they're still very much there, and they're very much yeah. a part of you, and they affect mm-hmm. you going forward. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you are you're 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 waking up in hospital, and you're and you're having this deep realization. You know, your roommate your roommate has has passed away. Like, what is um? Are you are you on are you on um are you on pain? Oh, I'm assuming you're on quite a bit yeah. of pain meds in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like, did you? In the in the time afterwards, as you are on pain medication, as you kind of transition away from pain medication, um, I'm asking that specifically because my in my experience, like the way that I related to uh, an ac- uh, my accident was very different once I was once the pain medication was gone. Just like the way that my brain was thinking and everything, like did did that affect you at all in terms of transitioning off the pain meds? Yeah, I think it did. I know on day two, I said I don't want any pain meds. And they said, oh, you need some. So they gave me less of it, but they still gave me pain meds. And I think by day, it would have been six or seven, I was not even, maybe day four or five, I was completely off of it. So I was able to actually process everything, which I think Mm -hmm. it also could attribute it to me being confused and having that four-day window. But the doctors have said it's post-traumatic amnesia, not the pain meds. But I did Mm -hmm. actually think it was the pain meds that did have some effect on me for sure. Because I was a different person too. It wasn't even like in that four day, I was a different person. I was super sarcastic. I wasn't myself. I was actually rude to people. Um, And like I had, I was like, had this dark humor of me. I called our hospital room, the trap room in the trap house. Um, (laughs) Like it was just like, because it actually pretty much was a trap house. There's a lot of people coming in and out. And we had security on our door, our floor and our door. Um, and we also were getting lots of food and lost, like, lost, yeah, it was a trap house really, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, totally. 100%. But, yeah, it was, it definitely had that impact where I think it made me a bit different for sure. And yeah. you're right. What was the, um, now this, I mean, you're, you're, you're still in, obviously, you know, news travels fast, especially now this happens. I mean, this story exploded, this story, yeah. this tragedy exploded all over the country um, all over the world. And obviously, and especially so in Canada, you know, you're in, you're still in the hospital. What's going on? Are you, are you aware of what is kind of, when do you become aware of how, how much the nation has, has, has like come, come to, come to the fore for support and how the country is grieving with Mm -hmm. you? Yeah. Like how, so how quickly did that become apparent? It wasn't apparent at all. I was I was literally, as people would say it now, in a bubble, but like we had our own little thing in the hospital and that was it. You didn't know what was going on externally. Mm. I, I didn't even know that, like I was talking to a couple other schools as well. I was already verbally committed to York University, but I was talking to a couple other schools. Um, and I was like, hey, like, does York even know about this? My dad's like, yeah. I was like, make sure you tell them. And he's like, no, they know. And I was like, no, like, make sure you tell the other schools too. Like, I'm not trying to be rude or anything. Like I just, I make sure you tell them. Yeah. And he started laughing like, you don't know, like everybody knows. And I was like, no, I, I'm sure they don't. We're from Saskatchewan. We're like, we're just a hockey team. Like I'm sure nobody knows. Like Vladimir like, Putin knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The the outpouring of support was was unlike... I mean, truly, it, it was unlike anything that I remember in my entire life of 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 a a, tr- a tragedy like this, and 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 like the 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 GoFundMe raised more than fifteen million dollars. You know, like there was there was such a insane outpouring of support for 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 everyone who was involved in this. Um, how did that, like, did, when did you, when did you become a, a, aware of that? And yeah. like, and when you did, how did that, what the fuck went through your mind? Like, what yeah. were you thinking when you so, started to realize that the entire world was kind of stepping up here? Yeah. So the GoFundMe was definitely one of the things where I was like, what is going on? This is insane. Um, and I think even like us, like all the visitors, I was like, this is big. And then social media was a huge aspect though, too. Like, um, I literally couldn't go through my phone uh, without seeing it. I, I literally couldn't. And then it would be Humboldt Strong or Sticks Out for Humboldt. And I think even the Sticks Out for Humboldt was another really big thing where I was like, okay, this is this is big. Um, but for me, I didn't really realize it until I finally got out of the hospital. Mm. And that was like really when it hit. And I ended up driving. We were driving home from the hospital. And there's all these poles down uh, Main Street, 8th Street, it's called in Saskatoon. And they all had green ribbon ripped around, right, uh, like mm. wrapped around them. Mm-hmm. And then there were signs on the street saying prayers for Humboldt, Humboldt Strong. And every restaurant had like green flags out there for the Broncos or every vehicle that we drove by, drove by had Humboldt Strong stickers on. Mm. Wow. I was like, holy lick. What well, was <laughs> was was this something? Was this something that was that was this something that in the moment felt felt like like reassuring and good, or or was it one of those things where it was kind of like this this overwhelming reminder where where you almost couldn't get away from from the the tragedy that you mm-hmm. you had just been through, like you know, like I I. I mean, fuck. From where I'm standing, it's like, thank God there was such a there was such yes. su- an outpouring yeah. of support. But also, I I could I I could totally imagine how it might be immensely overwhelming for for someone who's been through something like that. Yeah, for me, it actually meant the world. I think. Yeah. Even it helped me so much just knowing that I got like text messages from people all over the world. I met a girl who literally flew from Iraq or Iraq, sorry, flew from Iraq all the way to Saskatoon just to meet a Bronco. It was like those kind of things wow. that really, really mean the world to me. Like and an actual Bronco or, or like one of you? Like a you. whole Bronco. Like oh, a, yeah. <laughs> oh, cool, 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 yeah. cool. And so it was just something that was so unique and so special that there's, it's uncomparable. I think it helped me and I know it helped everybody else as well. Mm-hmm in the healing process. And the way I look at it is I'm super grateful for the support 
But the hard part for me in the hospital that I really, really had issues with was seeing the person beside me in the next bed, having maybe one person visit them the whole time in their hospital. Mm, and I think yeah. that's where it really hit me was like, I'm receiving the whole world support and literally the whole world. I, I was so overwhelmed, but so thankful for that. Mm. And this poor lady beside me had one person come visit her once a week. And yeah. that's when it hurt my heart the most. And so like, we always try to make her feel welcome. We always tried to make her feel happy. And that was, that was like, for me, the hard part was just seeing how many people struggle. And this is just one person. There's millions that struggle like this as well every day and they don't have that support. And so for me, that was definitely a big eye opener. And something I carry forward now is to make sure people are having their issues that I always try to support them. Dude, you're so you're, you're, fucking you're the, sweet. I know you're the fucking sweetest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really, it's just, it's so, I mean, but, it, but it's like, it's, that is, that is, you know, that's really kind of like at the core of what we've been talking about for five years is the importance of support and how, and to be able to, and, and to be for this show, to be a form of that support, to hear stories that, you know, maybe it's not the same thing that you've gone through, but you know, there's some similarities in the struggles and the, and, and the tribulations that you go through and that you can find support, whether that's, Ooh. you know, whether it's by listening to a podcast, by getting an online community, by having your friend group, yeah. your family, whatever kind of like, whatever form that comes in. And, and I think that probably comes like you from recognizing that we have such great support mm -hmm. and that when you recognize that you have that, you, you want, you want others to be able to access that as well. Yeah, I think yeah. to, to, to segue into, um, a question that I had from that is that like the, the interesting dynamic about this situation is that you, you're not going through this alone, both you have the world, the, the world support, but you also have, um, your other teammates who, yeah. who've made it as well. Um, I, I'm curious about the dynamic of being in the hospital. Like where did you get yeah. to see your teammates while mm -hmm. you were there? And like, what, what role have they played and how, how has your, how, how, have you, you guys sort of come together after this? And, and I'm curious, like, do you, do, do you have a support group now where you yeah. still continue to stay connected and, mm -hmm. and yeah. talk so about things? Right now we have a group chat. Uh, we talk in that group chat often, but, uh, in the hospital, there's actually me and three others in the same room at one point. Uh, it was only short-lived, though. It was me. Too rowdy, uh, I bet. Yeah, split you guys up. It, it was, was the trap just, house. It was, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it was me, Derek Patter, Grayson Cameron, and Ryan Strasniski. And then Xavier LaBelle was in there for a bit. And uh, Ryan was only in there for a bit. But uh, it was definitely us three. And we ended up having just a room with us three because the visitors kept on coming. There was a lot of them. And so it was hard for another person to be in a room but we did have a couple days where there was an old lady um that was there for a while and she was an absolute sweetheart um but most of the time it was just us three in there and that was really really hit me in that in the evening when i found out about the tragedy i looked over and there's those two in the room and me um and actually bring camera was in there too i don't want to forget about him but he was in there as well but that was when it really hit me it was like okay like we are literally all sitting in a hospital right now. Mm. And mm. Um, the support though, to know that we're all going through similar things, all they're very, very diverse and different injuries. Um, but we are all kind of going through the same kind of grind. And mm. I think that was something that I really took home and we try to support each other. I think the hard part for me was like 
what to talk about, what not to talk about with them. I didn't know if they remembered everything or if mm. they didn't. I didn't know what to say if it would have licked those thoughts or if it didn't. So it was very kind of hard for me to know how to interact. Cause I know like it's, we're fine if we don't talk about it, but like we kind of need to talk about it. Cause yeah, yeah, really yeah, like, yeah. we're really all sitting in this room together. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was definitely weird trying to navigate that. Um, but I because every, super... everybody, everybody reacts to it differently, right? Oh, like yeah. I, everyone has their, 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 their own ways that they, they manage or cope the, you know, some, something as heavy as that. Oh yeah. Um, 100%. I, I mean, is do you still, is that something that you still face mm-hmm. in terms of, of trying to juggle like how to, how to effectively communicate with one another about what you guys have been through? Yeah. Like I'd say that there's 29 of us and all 29 of us have different ways of healing. And yeah. that's one of the things I really realized in this whole process was like, there's no right way to heal and everybody heals differently. And I am super supportive and respectful of that. And I want to be, that's, I think I want for me, I want the best for everyone and mm. whatever their best is, that's what I want. Might not be my best or what I think is best for me, but whatever is their best, I want for them. Mm. I want them to just be happy at the end of the day. Mm. And so it is definitely a learning process to see how others navigate it. And at the end of the day, like I said, I just want them to have their, their best and to be happy and, Enjoy life to the fullest. I, I'm, I, I can't help but uh, kind of come back to this thought of, of the the of how overwhelming the amount of of like uh, the amount of of global outpouring of support there was for you and and the other survivors, um, and and in that as well, like obviously the the, the only way that that could have been possible if. if is for the amount of media coverage that this entire event um, received. Um, I think it's probably safe to say that, like, media, the way that media covers uh, certain certain events in the world can be seen as really positive and and sometimes really really fucking negative. Um, and this this leads me into a, a question that came in from one of our patrons, one of our listeners, um, named Megs. Uh, Megs asks, "What have the media gotten right, and what have they gotten wrong, Ooh. in terms of the way that they covered what you went through?" That's uh, the hard part for me is to answer that question. Is I was in the hospital, so I really don't know exactly what they covered from twenty one days. I was in the hospital for twenty one days. For the first twenty one days, I have no clue what they covered. So there's really, it's really hard for me to know what's right and what's wrong mm. in that 21 day. Um, but like you said, there's definitely positive and negatives out there. And I honestly think that they've tried their best to find the most positives in the situation. Obviously you're going to see some negative art- articles, but I think the one thing that I like and I have seen lots of is that we all have different voices and to not lump them all together as one voice so, for example, me, I'm a humble Bronco. I'm not the humble Broncos. And so yeah. that's the one of the things that I want to make sure is out there is like, I'm just one of 29 on that bus. And I was one of like 50 plus in the organization. I'm not the humble Bronco or the humble Broncos. I'm a humble Bronco. Mm. And so that was one of the things for me. Tell us about Crossroads. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about this book that's uh, that's coming out soon. I believe it's uh, we're we're almost about what about a month away now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm, I take it this is your first uh, published <laughs> published writing, or yeah. or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> no, this is my first published writing, and yeah, it's it's honestly a lot to take in. It, it involves the Broncos, but it's not all about the Broncos. I think that's something super special. Is I do have a life before and I have a life afterwards too, hmm. and I wanted to make sure that was involved in the writing process too. But yeah, it's coming out March 16th, and. I'm excited. And the whole reason why I even wanted to write a book was just to help others. I received support from all over the whole world. And I've had lots of people reach out to me asking, like, how do I work through this? Where are ways for them to cope with their own things? Um, once I did more speeches, I had people come out to me saying, you literally changed my life. Um, and so I realized that I actually do have opportunity to help others. And before the crash, I was heavily involved in the Hubble community volunteering. And after I was still heavily involved in volunteering. And this, I think is a segue for me to just give back and thank the world, but also to help those struggling through their own crossroads in life. So mm. I am donating a portion of the proceeds to Stars <laughs> Air Ambulance who helped save lives that day. So I, th- I really wanted just it to be to help someone and to give back. Mm-hmm. Um. I want to ask what some of the things are. I I think that a I think that a really staple part of being an athlete and growing up uh, and competing is being able to be being able to be dealt the shittiest hand and trying to uh, squeeze some lemonade out of it as best yeah. as you can. And I and I think that that's that you kind of need that if you're going to be an athlete and compete. What do you, what, what are some of the things that have come out of this that, that, you know, you, you, you if I just said bus crashes, um, 16 people die, 13 people survive, doesn't seem like it has very, doesn't, there, there doesn't, there's not much hope in that sentence, mm-hmm. but I know, I know from the individual level, good things come from shit situations what what is some of that yeah what what are some of those things for you yeah like for me i've been through a lot of crossroads in my life being diagnosed with type 1 diabetic with a lifelong disease um is one of them and even me losing a mentor in my life uh my personal trainer died of cancer when i was young and i had to go through that and even i almost lost my dad too so i was dealt a lot of different crossroads which are terrible situations i had to make light of and to find the positive in them. And I think this book demonstrates that as well. It goes really deep into how we are faced and life is hard. Like, don't get me wrong, life is hard for sure. But how we choose to perceive and how we wanna react to the situation is all dependent on us. And so for me, I wanna portray that. And one of the toughest crossroads in my life was the humble Broncos tragedy for sure. And so I wanna try to make positive out of the situation hopefully give back and have some people take something away from the book. And if one person is able to take one thing away, then I did what I wanted to do. Mm. And so for me, there's always that positive or the negative route. And I wanted to take the positive route throughout my whole life. And this is one of them as well. Did you, did you feel like that attitude um, was something because you, you, you started when you were talking about your recovery, like 21 days in the hospital, initially the doctors thought that, um, you might lose your ability to speak. You know, there, there was a lot of physical um, injury that was done to your body, yet you've managed to make 
this recovery? Like how much do you attribute your attitude to the recovery process to where you're at now compared to where you were at days after the accident? Yeah, I think attitude is honestly everything. Uh, obviously you're going to have the physical recovery too, but how you want to perceive the situation that you're faced with is ultimately your power. I think you're in life, you're going to be dealt some bad hands for sure. And what you do with that bad hand is up to you. And so for me, I was dealt with terrible situation, but I was fortunate to even be breathing. Like yeah. I was lucky enough to even take that breath to be there that day. And some days that's what you need. You just need to find that positive. And I found the positive in every day. And for me, I was able to enjoy the grind of being in the hospital and then afterwards enjoy the daily grind of trying to work myself back to being able to go to school and then being even able to skate. Um, but I, through that process, I took time to reflect and took time to enjoy it. And it wasn't just for myself. It was for those 16 who weren't there because the way I look at it is if I was the one on their shoes and I wasn't here on this earth, how would I want the survivors to live their life? Mm. And I, I took that to heart. And that was my mindset moving forward was to do it for them, but also for myself too. Like, how would I want to live my life? I've been blessed with this opportunity and another chance. And what do I want to do with it? Do you, are you, um, uh, are you religious at all? I'm actually not. No. And how has this experience sort of, uh, altered your, your thoughts or your perception on, on, you know, on your own like spiritual journey or, or your own thoughts of like, uh, existence or, or thoughts on like what, what comes, what comes after life? Yeah. I, I honestly, there's, I've really reflected on this and it's a lot, it's a lot to take in because I've been asked, like, I'll, I'll go deep here. So when someone yeah, came up, to, someone, someone came up to me, um, like right after the crash, I was like, Oh, I guess it's not your time to go. And that like, right. that saying, okay, I get it. It's not my time to go, but how was it anyone's time to go? There was a 16 year old that passed away. Like there was a family, like a father, there was an athletic therapist. There was like, I don't think it was anybody's time to go. So like that line, like, yeah, it, yeah, it has validity and yeah, maybe it wasn't my time to go, but it's also like kind of a slam to the ones that did go saying, Oh yeah, it was their time. And so that was like a really point for me. And it was something that I took in and was like, okay, I see where they're coming from and they're doing it because they mean the best. Like they're trying to be mm. super nice and super supportive. But then you also see the other side and like, I don't think it was anyone's time to go. Like, I don't, I don't really think it was. And so it wasn't fair, but it was a situation that happened. And life is about death. People will die and people die every day. And that's the hard part about it. And it's the reality about life. And for me, I just want to live life every day to the fullest because you never know when it's your last one. And I learned this at a very young age. I learned it when I was four. Um, and I also learned it again when I lost my personal trainer. I learned it with my dad. Um, and there's just a constant reminder that life is short. And to make the most of the people that you're with, the memories that you're making, the time that you have on this earth, and to never take a day for granted. And I think that was something for me that was definitely stood out. But also with the spiritual side, um, I was able to reflect and see like, yeah, maybe there is something. And I don't know if you guys are into mediums or not. I, um, I've been, I've been like contacted by the, the survivor, the, sorry, the ones that passed away. 
through the mediums. I've never actually gone to a medium though. It's been through other people to tell me stuff. So um, I I don't know if I'm going to go to a medium. It's, it's still a little bit out there for me. And it's, I don't know if I'm ready for it. I think yeah. I could be ready. I'm, I'm ready to experience it. But I think I need to really like take it all in and take it for what it is. Um, but yeah, like they have contacted me through uh, people that went to mediums. So, and I actually have never been to one. I've never stepped foot so, in place. So, so, so what you mean is, what you mean is there was other, there's other people in your life who 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 sought out the services of a medium, mm-hmm. and and the the. Uh, your teammates who, who didn't survive reached out to that person in that session to be like, yo, also, can you tell Caleb yeah. we got a message for him? Oh, it, okay, yeah. okay. So that was in one of the freakier stories um, was my dad, his employee at work actually went to the medium and it was not for any Broncos reason. It was actually for her family reasons. And as she went there, it was for her sister. And the medium was saying to this woman, okay, look, like, I don't even know, like, I know you're here for your sister, but I need to tell you this message. And sure enough, the message was about me. And they're saying how, cheers to Caleb. And do you, like, asked if she even knew a Caleb. And she was like, I don't, I don't yeah, I guess, like, kinda. Whoa. And they're like, yeah, like, uh, this group of individuals are cheersing to Caleb and saying, like, good job, Caleb. And she ended up telling my dad about it. My dad was like, well, that's super weird. She's like, yeah. And I wasn't even, she wasn't even one actually going to the medium. It was her sister. And she was there to support her sister. So I like, it's, it's been freaky for that aspect, but it's also cool too. Like, I think like, you take it out of their way. And I was like, well, that's absolutely scary, but that's like yeah. also super cool. Like I kind of want to check it out. Um, if there are any mediums out there, I'm a little bit scared, not gonna lie, but you can reach out to me. Um, maybe I'll take you up, maybe, but yeah. and also if I do go, I don't want them to know me. I don't yeah, want right. them yeah, to yeah, know yeah, a right. thing about me. I want yeah. to go to like yeah. someone way across the world that has no clue about the Broncos, no yeah. clue about me. And then yeah. there's some validity to that point. You need yeah, a medium that hasn't, that doesn't have access to Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> that's, what, that's what you need. Listen, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm personally pretty skeptical about uh, mediums. Well, Brian I like, and I went I, to a medium together. It's once. a long, it's a long story. We can get that into is, it later. But, but, but what I will say is, as a spiritual person, I think if there's a message for you to receive, I think that. I think that the spirit world can get it to you directly without mm-hmm. having to filter it through somebody else. And yeah. if you're if you sit quietly and give yourself the time and space, I think those messages might come to you. That's so, very wise, Bri. Hmm, I think it. that that was very wise. Um, uh, we're, we're 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 coming up to time, Caleb. But but before we we do wrap up, I I am one thing that we didn't really talk about, and I'm I'm really dying to know. Um, are you? Is Are you single? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what Jared's getting. Uh, no, she's asking uh, for a friend. Asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, no, are you? Are you? Do you? Are you uh, seeking therapy? Like, do you have a therapist? Is this something that you are? Is this? Is this a part of your your recovery um, that is ongoing, or or not? Yeah. So I actually did see a therapist at the very start, and it was just to check in. Um, and I was honestly pretty good and I, I don't want to sound like uh I'm, I'm better than anyone but I just I handle death differently and I look at life differently than people and this was 
obviously a, a tragic situation and some that I still still hard to really even wrap your head around but I was able to accept it and to push forward in the positive light mm. and I think for me I, I did see a couple therapists they were mandatory but I still went and I wanted to go too and I think it's good to go too I have nothing against that whatsoever so I went yeah. and saw one um, and it was before I actually left for university uh, they were he was pretty skeptical about me going to school in Toronto. He thought I was going to get eaten up. He thought I was going to probably fail and went down a dark spiral um, to like alcohol and all those uh, other drugs to kind of replace my feelings. And I was just telling him like, look, like I look at life differently than what mm. you're thinking right now. And so I explained to him my whole philosophy on life. And he looked at me, he's like, I feel like you're just saying these things. I was like, <laughs> this is literally who I am. And so um, the, he was pretty skeptical. And so I ended up going to school and I ended up getting all Canadian. I ended up like passing and doing very well and succeeding. And then came back and met with him again. And he was like, well, you proved me wrong. And um, I ended up seeing a counselor as well at York University. And she's been amazing. Um, I actually still talk to her right now through this book process because she's more of a life coach than a counselor. Mm, yeah. And she's providing me all these tools to help um but uh for her it was she wanted to see if I was okay with going on a bus and like mm. a lot of people wouldn't be okay with it and I'm so proud of our guys that have gone on a bus I give them credit for sure and I was okay with going on a bus and I ended up actually going on a bus in June um unknowingly I was going to be going on a bus but I did go on a bus in June and it was just another experience and it wasn't that bus and it wasn't uh that situation and it, the chance of it happening again are super slim but I don't want to live life scared or live life um, not wanting to take risks or chance because of a past situation. I think it's honestly good to face them head on and to try to conquer it head on and to get, put yourself back out there and make the most of the situation. Yeah, man. So, Speaking yeah. my language. I was going to say, Tay, I feel like you can relate. <laughs> Dude, I go, after I got hit by the car uh, on my bike, I was like, well, I, I mean, statistically, I'm not going to get hit by a car for like another, like, Maybe ever. <laughs> I mean, like you know. So I mean, I got it, I got it out of the way. Yeah. I yeah, will say, I, Caleb, that you that you said you wanted to help one. You know, if you if you helped one person, you'd be um, that that would be it. You know, and you, that you that you have your job done. I mean, you're you're gonna you're gonna help a shitload of people. Um, you know, you're you're helping you're helping you're helping people right now. Listening to this, you're gonna help a shitload of people with uh, with the book and 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 the great success that I'm sure that that, that your book will have. Man, you helped me this morning. I I, I I wanted I this I, this morning. I was on my bike. I was doing intervals this morning, and I was suffering like a fucking dog. And I wanted to quit so bad. And it was like early morning workout, and I just thought, you know, I could just get off the bike, and no one would know. It'd just be me. I could I could pack it in right now, and. And I thought, and I knew that we were talking to you today. And I thought about all the shit that I know that you've gone through, all the shit that I know, all the, all your teammates have gone through, and the staff have gone through, and the tragedy. And and then I thought about all the shit that I've gone through. That's harder than the shit that I'm was doing in the moment. Harder than the suffering that I had to go through on the bike. And thought this is this pales in comparison to all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I can suffer like a dog for another seven minutes doing this interval and, yeah. and get this shit done because it's peanuts mm. compared to the hard shit that we all go are, we all go through in life. And, uh, and so you helped me get through that this morning 
and Thank uh, you. and I and I really really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's been a pleasure to be on here today, and to the Sick Boy Foundation, this is awesome too. I I am honestly honored to even be on here with you guys. You guys are all special. I look up to you all. So thank you very much for having me on here. Ah, you're a gem, Caleb. This has been really fun, buddy. Nice to to have you on the show and uh, looking forward to having you on again sometime. Love that. And just to to reiterate what Tay said in the words of David Goggins, stay hard. Stay hard. Stay hard. Stay hard. You can do it. (laughs) Stay hard. All right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much. Oh my God, what a sweetheart. He's so sweet. Hey, Taylor. Hey, Don't man. you think? Hey, man, I forgot whose intro we were doing this for. <laughs> this, is, this is not it's an a, intro. It's, it's an, an outro. outro. Oh, damn it. And, and it's, it's for Caleb. Chair, <laughs> <laughs> we just said both of those things in perfect harmony. Hey, high five. Uh, folks, we know what's up. Uh, no, no, so, no, no, let's redo no, it. No, no, this is it. it <laughs> no, this, this is, is it. it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, damn folks, it. <laughs> we're so happy that you joined us, and uh, we hope that you didn't already forget that conversation. Uh, highly doubt that you did because it was so wonderful. And hey, listen, uh, we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, keep on tuning in wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the CBC Listen app. Uh, but you can also watch our Friday episodes on YouTube. Follow YouTube. us there. Sick Boy on YouTube. Subscribe and hit that bell icon if you want to get notified every time we drop a new YouTube video. So good at YouTube stuff. And uh, before I let you know where you can send your amazing letters, I just want to say for the record, I did not forget our conversation with Caleb. We just recorded a bunch of things in 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 batch, and I'm just making it clear that I didn't forget our conversation with Caleb. Wake up, dude. <clears throat> Wake up. If you have some amazing uh fan mail that you want that well you think it's amazing we'll be the judge of that you send it to letters at sickboypodcast.com and maybe we'll read it to uh, our audience on the show and if you want to be one of our amazing guests such as caleb you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact fill out the form and maybe we will have you on our lovely sweet potato show and thanks as always to the people who make this show happen k k brian jeremy saunders taylor mcgillivray lauren sankey and Brian Stever, that's me. Jeremy has a migraine. Thank you so much. Thank oh. you to Jeff Lonis, our amazing manager, and to the people who edit this show, Donovan, the Meerkat, C, Pat Morgan, Jared, sometimes you edit it, but I never really know. Well, whoever edits this, can you just change the way that Brian spoke that last little bit? How about no? And thanks to the amazing musicians who make the theme music for the show take part on our Mondays and Rich O'Coin on other days. We love you guys. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm, I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Work. So the book comes out on uh, the 16th, is it? Yep, you bet. Wow, that's a month from today. 
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.